Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good to see you today. Nice to have a little sprinkling, a little sugar on the earth today, just like a little sugar on your donut. We had a little bit of snow. It was perfect. Those of you who are joining us uh, via the web, welcome. Glad you're here. Those of you who are visitors, thank you for being here. We appreciate it that you would give uh, us a chance here at New Covenant. I hope that we find a place to minister to you and your family. Well, we started a brand new series this week titled Travelers. And we've subtitled it Following God Through Challenging Times. And if you have an amen in you anywhere, you can all say amen to we are living in challenging times. Amen. <laughs> That's something universally agreed upon. You know, depending, it doesn't really matter which side of the aisle you're on, it's, it's a challenging time, isn't it? And so with this, with this new series, we, we, we recognize that life is a journey. It is a journey, isn't it? You start point A, and you continue on all the way to the end of your life. And great lessons can be learned from the examples of others, right? Good examples and bad examples. And the Old Testament, where we're going to spend uh, really the majority of our time in this series, is, is filled with examples of travelers following God through tra- challenging times, right? And for this reason, uh, this series is, I believe, w- is really important because we need good stories. We need great stories. Stories that get a hold of us, that get under our skin, and that linger with us, and the Holy Spirit can speak to us and, and give us wisdom and insight to our own lives. That's very important. We need strong examples of God leading His followers through and beyond, not just through, but beyond troubled times. You see, we need to know that God is there and God is available. We also need to know what to do when our political leaders fail us. Amen? Can anybody say amen to that? We need to know what to do when economies tank. And we need to know that God is really there and God truly cares for us. And you don't really know that sometimes until you're faced with adversity or challenges. That's where it arises and you understand that God is actually there. Listen, through this pandemic and this destructive, highly divisive political climate, hopefully those of us who are Christ's followers, even those who are not, those of you listening who maybe are not, are, are starting to understand, are learning to put less trust into human promises and more trust into God's promises for us. Less trust in human promises and more trust in God's promises. You see, it's not that human beings are necessarily horrible or they're never to be trusted. That's that's not the point here. 
Human beings are to be trusted, and we should learn to trust one another in relationships, shouldn't we? But there's only so much you can expect of a human being. Like, take a small baby, for instance. You have a toddler. Do you ever toss your keys to the toddler and say, all right, head off down to the store and get us a gallon of milk? You'd say, well, no. Well, there must be something wrong with that baby. No, there's nothing wrong with that baby. That baby's okay. That baby's not prepared for the responsibility to do that. That baby's not equipped to do that. And that's the way I see when we put too much trust and too big of plans into human hands. That's why they fail. Okay? It's not God against humans. It's human's ability versus God's ability, which is much greater. And that's why we want to look at this series, because travelers, travelers are those who are following after God. And in this series, we hope to focus our attention back on God and fully trust Him wholly, completely, even through the most challenging times. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, I believe, puts it very succinctly. He's speaking about this great cloud of witnesses. This group of people who are uh, patriarchs and matriarchs in the faith listed in the Hebrews chapter 11, all of these Old Testament characters. He said, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they could have had opportunity to return to them. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God because He has prepared a place for them. Let's offer up this affirmation this morning. If you're joining us for the first time, you're welcome to join in. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I welcome all he has for me today. By his word, he guides me. By his spirit, he strengthens me. By his will, he's transforming me. I am his workmanship his unique work of art, and may his will be done in me today, and I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we commit this morning to you. We ask that as we once again turn our hearts, Lord, to those who have blazed a trail before us following after you. We know that that's the safest place to be, the best place to be, to be following after you, not before you. As we look, Lord, at this chapter today, these chapters today in your book, and we ask the question, why Abraham? Why would you choose him? Lord, we pray that it would be clear to us so that, Lord, our minds are once again set back upon you and your word, your cause, your agenda, so that we might be saved, Lord, not just pillaged and plundered by our culture. 
pray this for everyone, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, back to Genesis. What we're going to do is, is kind of, I'm just going to tell you, we're, we're going to cover the first 11 chapters of Genesis in 30 minutes. So pay attention, don't nap, you're going to need to keep up to speed. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along on the ground. Genesis 5 says, This is written, an account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created male and female and blessed them, and he named them mankind when they were created. That, my friends, is the beginning. Genesis simply means the beginning. And that was the beginning of mankind. Two main characters appear in the beginning of this story, Adam and Eve. And depending upon what your take is on, on the type of literature and narrative that we find in the Old Testament, I'll leave that to you. But I'll say this, they are, this is the story and the narrative that has been passed down to us, to our heritage, to those of us who are Christ followers, to those who before were followers after the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Orally, this was given. Eventually, it was written down. But these are the two central characters. And Adam, his name means humanity. He was the first. Eve, her name means life. So the two combined together are humanity and life. And God created the earth. And seven times upon completion of one portion of creation, he said, it's good. It's good. He didn't say, eh, not bad, or that's terrible. He said, it's good. So it was a good place. And then there was a special place known as Eden, a garden that he placed Adam and Eve in there, and it was a good place for them to be. It was a place of human flourishing, okay? <clears throat> Adam and Eve were, in the beginning, companions with God. God spoke with them or told in the cool of the day. He would speak to them. They knew him. They could speak back to him. And they were his companions. But they were also his image bearers. They were told in this passage here that they were made in the likeness of God or in the imago Dei, the image of God. And therefore, they were reflecting God's glory, reflecting God's character in the earth. That as God had been the creator and made all things, this very complex yet complete environment whereby animals and plants and living things could flourish, okay, all that they needed for flourishing was there. And he said, I want you to reflect my character, you're going to bear my image, and you will be my ruling representatives watching over, creating, and flourishing in this world that I have created. Okay? That's the purpose. That's the purpose of all of that. 
You see, the land is important to God. We tend to believe that it's just humanity, but the two were interconnected, interwoven. One was not to flourish without the other, but the two together. Now, having said that, God creates for them a moral dilemma or choice. In fact, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day or when you eat it, you will certainly die. You say, well, what, why did God do that? Why did he have to give us a choice? Why would there be some, well, listen, first of all, I don't understand fully the mind of God, nor will I ever, but I know a few things, that if there is no real possibility for choice, there is no real possibility for love. If there is no real possibility for choice, there is little or no opportunity for love. And so God says, look, I possess within me the knowledge of good and evil. I have it all out. I know. I've created all things, and I've created one thing here in the middle of all of this lush perfection in which you can flourish, which you should oversee. And this one thing I say, I don't want you to eat of it because you're going to die. It gives you the implication that God had meant for mankind to live continuously on and on and on. And so mankind had a choice. And it's a choice that is seminal to the human experience today with every human being and every culture. And it's this. There's a choice to follow God's wisdom a choice to follow his leading. Will you listen to him? Do you believe in him as your creator, as a higher than? Not equal to, but higher than. You see, the temptation came to Eve, but both <clears throat> had failed. It wasn't just her fault, both of them failed. Came to it, and the, and the serpent beguiled her and said, well, you know, God knows that when you eat it, you're going to be like him, knowing good from evil. Well, they had access to his knowledge of good and evil. They weren't being deprived. They were being deceived. Oftentimes, temptation comes by saying, you're being deprived, but actually you're being deceived for purposes, malevolent purposes of someone else. Such was the case with Adam and Eve. So, so either you're going to trust that God understands good and evil and I'm to stay away from it, or I'm going to choose something else, autonomy. And that's where we get in trouble. He chose autonomy. That is, my own knowledge that I possess, my own knowledge of good and evil. Here's the problem with mankind, and mankind has proven this out through history, that mankind doesn't do a good job of discerning between good and evil. It doesn't. 
A lot of the actions that someone would say, oh, this is a very good positive action, turns out to be absolutely maniacal, dangerous, and destructive. Mankind is not a good judge of good and evil. What does it say in Genesis 3? So the Lord banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed him on the east side of the Garden of Eden, the cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. There was a consequence. Okay, you don't want to listen to me. You're going to refuse my wisdom. Well then... you'll go your own way, you'll make your own way, and you'll do it yourself. See the option there? Excuse me. But to listen in God was meant to be in a place of blessing and flourishment. That That was the implication. Right with the tree of life. But yet you chose autonomy. And so you will go and by the sweat of your brow, with all of your brains, with all of your might, you will produce. And that is not God being mean. It is God letting man gain perspective in order to turn back to God. That's always been, that's always been the course. So we have a tree of life that is barred up, man is separated from. That's where we get the the, the language of surely you will die. Mankind's life expectancy began to go and diminish at that point. Fortunately, fast forward ahead over in the end of the book of Revelations, we find that the city of God is back with humanity, that there is a tree of life and the river that flows through it for the healing of the nations, and mankind has access to it again. That's the journey. That's the traveler, so to speak. That's where we're headed. Okay, mankind chooses autonomy. I'll do it myself. I'll listen to someone else. Then what is the next result of that? The next result is violence enters the human race. Cain and Abel, okay, One of them becomes jealous of the other. Cain becomes jealous of Abel. And he kills his brother. Now listen to what God says here. It's really important. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. You see, he could have just said, your brother has cried out. I've heard his cry. You've killed him. But the blood was spilled on the land. And the blood cried out from the land. You say, well, what's what's the big deal about that? Let me just tell you something here, folks. I don't care what the current climate or what anybody says about anything. Do not ever separate yourself from the land here. Okay? Okay? I'm just a spiritual being in the body. No. You don't separate yourself from the land. 
You don't separate humanity from the land. You do not separate humanity from the earth. We don't follow the teachings of Plato. God created the earth, and seven times he said it was good. He put mankind in there. If we look at this environment that we live in, it is absolutely perfect for human flourishing. Now, it's taken us abuse of humanity by violence and other means, and then taking abuse of the land. The reason I say this is not for any, other, for any political reason. It's purely biblical. As I look at the text, he's very concerned about your relationship with the land, and he says, you're producing violence on the land. There's trouble. There's trouble. What happened to Israel? They didn't let the land rest. They didn't give it its Sabbath years so that the the ground could regain its its nutrients. And what happened? He says, you didn't let it rest. I'm going to kick you off of it for 70 years. That's, that's, That's how you know you can't separate yourself from this environment that you're in. You're here, you and I are here to be image bearers of God in a way that is caring for everything like he would. And respecting it like he would. The violence continues. A descendant of Cain, a guy by the name of Lamech. We don't know much about him other than that he gathered women to himself. And that he was very violent and was proud of it. He even wrote a song. Let me read it to you. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Listen to me, wives of Lamech. Hear my voice. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain has avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. And at that point, the world had been plunged into darkness and to violence. All the way from this pristine garden, visited by the presence of God, to a abysmal place of violence and wickedness toward one another into the land. Well, this produces something. There, there are times in Scripture where God reveals something about Himself that <clears throat> it should give us a clue as to His nature and His character. And when we, when we read in the book of Genesis chapter 6, we find out that the pre-flood world The antediluvian world was so corrupted that it made God sad and have uh, regrets. Now, you can theologically try to patch that away and say, you know, God's not like us. He doesn't have the... Listen, read it for what it says and let it sink in. Chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created With them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. Just let that sink in. That's what it says. 
God says, I made this for a purpose, and this was not it. I didn't make this earth for this. I didn't make human beings for that. And I'm going to wipe it out, and I'm going to start over. And I regret that I ever made them. That's the sadness of God right there. But something changes. Look at verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a descendant of Lamech. Out of violence, Lamech, chaos, darkness, rebellion against God, autonomy, wickedness. But then comes Noah, his family, a singular family, and his name means comfort. Out of that blackness of chaos would come comfort. Once again, as in the garden, God is starting over again with a family, starting over again to continue his purpose on the earth. So what happens? Well, they start out small, but the world begins to populate. They are broken into different nations, into different tribes. And they grow and flourish. But then what happens? Autonomy sets in. Rejection of God and the downward spiral ends us up in the last chapter of this section of, of Genesis in chapter 11, where we come to the Tower of Babel, or Babel, confusion. Because at that time, mankind had risen to a new zenith. They had a new technology. As we read in this text, they, they talked about no longer will we use the stones, but we'll use brick, okay, and tar for mortar. They had the new <laughs> technology of the brick, and we're going to build a great tower, you know, possibly a stair-stepped ziggurat or... Uh, pyramid reaching up to the heavens in testimony to them. But what happened? They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over all the face of the earth. Once again, mankind chose their own way, their own counsel. But even worse this time, setting himself up above God and separate from God. Setting himself up above God and separate from God with no connection whatsoever. And let us remind ourselves, mankind, apart from God, has always been a terrible judge of what is good and evil. It seems that God is the only one who can keep us on track with that. So what happens? God breaks up the party. In Genesis chapter 11, he says, Come, let us go down and confuse the language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there, from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel or Babel, because... There the Lord confused the language of the whole world, and from there the Lord scattered them all over the face of the earth. You see, 
we see a pattern. This is very important as we study through the Bible. Because there are observable patterns that, that arise and emerge so that we can see them. And we're, through that pattern, we're able to discern a pattern of the way that mankind reacts to God and the way that God leads and reacts and moves within humanity. And when we see the rise of one or the other, we know that the typical pattern will once again fulfill itself. Here's the pattern. God blesses. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. That's what happened to the earth. Second of all, humans reject God's blessing. Humans choose their own path. God makes correction with a fresh start. You see, the book of Genesis is basically two, you can break it into two. Chapters 1 through 11, and then chapters 12 through 50. Chapters 1 through 11 talk about the beginning, the fall of mankind, the flood, and the eventual scattering of humanity. But right there between uh, 12, I mean 11 and 12, there's the first three verses of chapter 12, there is a hinge that connects the two. Chapter 12 through 50 is the story of Abraham and Sarah and their family and what they do on the earth and how God relates to them, their effect upon the world. But there's this hinge, and that's what we're looking at now. It is the hinge of Abraham and a new start with a new promise. Remember, when man blows it, God comes in, makes correction, and starts afresh. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will, and whosoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. You see... Once again, God was taking a human being and challenging them. What was so great about Abraham? Nothing, really. Just another human being from a long line of other human beings. But God said, I want you to, to take up from your land here, and I'm going to take you to the land of Canaan. I'm going to take you to a promised land. And I want you to look up at these stars. I mean, think of it when you, have, you go out camping and there's no light pollution. You know, I love it when they say, if you look up in the stars tonight, you'll be able to see Saturn. Not in my neighborhood. But imagine being out far away from lights and seeing all the myriad of the stars shining bright. And he says, I'm going to make you, if you could count them all, I'm going to make your descendants like them. That's a big promise. But he was looking for someone who would trust him and believe in him. Listen, all of those who followed would become a unique group among humanity. You see, it wasn't just going to be of a particular tribe. It would mean that all who trust in me out of humanity, it will be divided now. 
It will be divided between those who will trust and have faith in me and those who reject me and want darkness. But if you res- receive me and you call upon me, then I'm going to make you one of my stars. They would exhibit faith in God. They would exhibit His character and not of themselves. They would not be autonomous, but dependent upon their Creator. They would not be designed for disunity, but for harmony. Harmony between God and creation. Romans chapter 4 says this, What then shall we say about Abraham? Our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter. If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You get that? It was not any work. It wasn't any special thing. God said, I want you to believe me. I wanted Adam and Eve to believe me. Don't eat that. I wanted the people to trust in me. Because you see, you cannot separate the creator from the creation and expect something greater than. You always have to expect something less than, not equal to less than, right? Because Let's think about this world for a minute. Let's say that there there is no God. Then that means that somehow through billions and billions of years, again, I'm not a scientist, and I we have scientists in this church who believe in Jesus, and so I have nothing against the scientific method. Do not misunderstand. I'm speaking hypothetically here. If we, if, if there's no such person as a creator, then we have a planet who just happened through time and time and just everything being perfect was the perfect environment for life through some electric shocks and some other occurrences, eventually over billions of years, life appeared. And if that's the truth, well then, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe autonomy and darkness is as good as we can get. But if there really is a creator who says he created a place that was perfect for human life, for other life, botanical life, fish of the sea, birds of the air, and that he put mankind here for his glory and for his honor, then mankind is not going to flourish without him. He was never intended to. Nor you, nor I. Neither one. Why? Because we've been called to be people of faith. God wants that. God wants that. Verse 1 of Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, 
and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understood that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made of what is visible. Faith is the word pistis in Greek. It means to trust, to cling to. That's mentioned 243 times in the New Testament. And we're told that this strong confidence and reliance upon God, this kind of faith, my friends, is not just a simple belief that God exists. This is something that would be best described as a deep, unshakable, abiding trust in God's promises. A deep, unshakable trust in God's promises. Abiding trust that's there. Because you see, without that, it's impossible to please God. Adam and Eve couldn't please God without this. You and I won't please God without this. Abraham couldn't please God without this. And, and for a creature to want to please their creator is perfectly natural. To rebel is not only obscurantism, but it is peril. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us this whole litany of, of Old Testament figures who trusted and earnestly sought after God. And God says, I'm going to put your name in the hall of fame because that's, that's what I want from you. And so as you and I face these this coming era that we're in. We can look to whatever current description, current definition of good and evil, and ultimately fail or wash away, or we can turn back and fervently trust in Him because we're not looking for a nation we're not looking for a country. We're not looking for a home that is built by merely human hands. Hebrews 11 goes on, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to the place, he would let her receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, <clears throat> even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city with a foundation whose architect and builder is God. You want to know the end game? That's the end game. We are traveling through, and though we have to trust those around us, we don't trust them with the bigger things. We trust God with the bigger things. We trust God with the fate of humanity. We trust God with the fate of our families, our lives, 
And we know that this place is just a bus stop. We will live through the challenges of this punctuated period in time. But we will live beyond it, looking forward to that, that new place. He says there's going to come a day where there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more violence, no more death. He says the former things of what humanity has experienced will be over. That's the country to live for. That's the one to abide for. That's the one to sacrifice for. That's the one to believe for. Because if you love human race, if you love humanity, you'll tell them about that place. Because it, it outshines all others. It's worth it. It's worth it. Stay the course. In the days to come, I believe we're going to be faced with challenges that we never expected. Some would predict. The question will be, is who is the, who is the final court of arbitration? Who, is, who has the final word in your life? God who made followers and travelers of all those who came before is the same one that will call you to travel with him today. If you have not got on the road, you've never called upon Jesus, maybe you're watching with us today, I would encourage you to just call upon his name and call out to him. God can hear anybody anywhere. Wherever you are, you can call out and say right here, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I've been doing it my own way and making a total mess of it. I want to follow you. I want to be a traveler headed to that place of promise that's good for not only me, but all who would come. You call upon him today and he will save you. If you're here this morning, you... You just bow your head and ask God to forgive you. I would only ask that if you've done so, let us know. We'd like to get you some information, maybe send you a Bible or a way to help you to be a part uh, of your journey. Well, that's what we have for today. 2021, it's a question mark. What will it be? Will it be the political year that I always wanted or I always dread? Please stop it. Or will this be the year that you hear God louder with a megaphone to your heart, louder than you ever have? That's right. All right. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, thank you for inspiring us, for reminding us of why you you made this place and why you made us and how we are made to, to be dependent upon you, to reflect your glory. 
And so, Lord, as we consider that, I pray that, Lord, you would migrate our hearts and minds to be centered upon you. Loving you, following you, making mistakes in your eyesight, carrying us along. We pray for this world that you would have mercy upon it, Lord. That people would call upon your name while it is called day. We would work while it is called day because night comes when no one can work. We love you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.